Good morning, Wastelanders. This is Streaming Wasteland. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Streaming Wasteland. Streaming Wasteland. Streaming Wasteland. I'm Greg. Hi, Greg. And with me always... And Ringo. With me always is Ringo. Hi, Ringo. Yeah, we should probably talk about this movie. This movie is terrible. Say, say we both recommend this movie. I would say skip this movie. Yeah, don't watch this. Worst plot I've ever seen. This movie had some interesting twists and turns that I, I definitely enjoyed. You know what they say, once you're 18, monsters are your problem. The creature that we're dealing with is called the Dark Mother. Yeah. I just called her Dear Mommy. Do you want to go mm-hmm. ahead and jump back in? Alright, we should probably dive into this. <laughs> hey, welcome to Streamer Wasteland. <clears throat> I'm Ringo, and with me I have... Is that me? Yeah, that's you. Oh, hi, me. Great. <laughs> it's, it's been a minute, so I figured I'd, I'd change things up a little bit and screw with uh, you. Ah, I see. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I had family over, so I haven't been in into the the streaming part of this. For I thought you were going to tell me you had food or a drink or something. And I, was, <laughs> I was waiting for it. With me, I have, and you're looking at the rapper Reese's Pieces. <laughs> Not sponsored, sadly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody's surprised by that. I think at this point, we don't have to tell anybody we're not sponsored. Just FYI, we're not sponsored, just in case anybody's listening <laughs> to this. You can become a sponsor. Just Venmo me $5, and I will shout you out in the, oh, <laughs> in the yeah. next episode. Whatever you want to, whatever you want us to say, so long as it's not, you know. Yeah, yeah let's not go there. We're gonna do, we're gonna <laughs> with the pay five dollars and say something wild. <laughs> so long as it's not insane. <laughs> it's too broad of a definition. <laughs> we'll give you a list of pre-approved messages that we'll send. <laughs> we we will veto as we please. <laughs> Paying us five dollars doesn't mean that we're going to go ahead and say what you want us to say. <laughs> yeah, or we could just go with my original premise. Just give us five dollars, and we'll say yeah. your name. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's better. I mean, that's half of like YouTube Patreons are at the those those long lists at the end of videos. They've paid like fifteen dollars, and they get shouted out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get they get shouted out, and oftentimes they get a little extra stuff that you don't. Have yeah, to there's do, other but, extra I stuff, mean, but at the end of the day, you're just getting your name shouted out. Yeah, or if you some of those videos where they, you know, everybody above the one dollar tier gets their name at the end of the video, and it's just that mm. long list. Recently, I've been watching some YouTube videos where those have been getting five to six minutes long, longer. Yeah, they're like, I don't know what to do at the end here, but here you go, and it just keeps on going. Yeah, and I mean, can you imagine if some of these D and D podcasts did that? Because some of the <laughs> Patreons are massive. Yeah. Like, there's that one that has, like, 25,000 Patreon members. Oh, Can you imagine if they had to shout out, like, to each person? <laughs> <laughs> it's a three-hour show, but it's only two hours of D&D. <laughs> <laughs> you, you spread it out by going ahead and, and saying the names in the, in the campaign, during the campaign. I don't remember which one I was listening to, but there was, like, a limited Patreon goal. I think it was only four or five people, but it was like $200. You got to name both a magic item and an NPC in the game and write the description for them. And I was like, that's actually really cool. If I was more dedicated to this sort of thing, I I would absolutely do that. But $200 is a little rich for my blood. So yeah, that's, that's clever. I like that idea. Yeah. Which is why when we finally have a Patreon, one of the first things I'm going to do is for $5, they can rename you. (gasps) Ah, Permanently. I'm going to get your signature from, from your wife, and I'm going to have them change your information down at the DMV. So when you get a letter for Ringo Poopsmith. <laughs> my wife can't go ahead and copy my, my signature. Just go ahead and ask, and I'll go ahead and give it to you. I was in the <laughs> Army. All you got to do is be like, hey, give me your signature. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's probably not a great policy. <laughs> All right, let's talk about I Am Mother, huh? 
Yeah, let's get into this. <clears throat> so this week, well, last week, we took on watching 2019's I Am Mother on Netflix. It's rated TV 14. In the wake of humanity's extinction, a teenage girl is raised by a robot designed to repopulate the Earth, but their unique bond is threatened when an inexplicable stranger arrives with alarming news. This movie is starring Rose Bryan as Mother's Voice, Luke Hawker as Mother, Clara Rugard as Daughter, Hilary Swank as Woman. They chose some very wonderful names for these characters. Yes. <laughs> Really I suppose bland. when one of you is a robot and the other one is a person, you don't really need a whole lot of names, so it mm-hmm. makes sense. I'm just interested with the whole Hillary Swank as woman. That's no, uh, I never gave her a name either. Yeah, fun. The film begins with Mother, Rose Bryan. Uh, am I pronouncing her last name correctly? The the Y's throwing me off here. It's Byrne. Byrne? Okay. Yeah. Kind of thought so, but my brain was flipping the Y and the R for some reason. Gotcha. So the film begins with Mother activating a human embryo and raising her as her own daughter. Mother teaches daughter about the world and its history. This this synopsis sounds so weird with not having real names attached to it. <laughs> but Mother teaches daughter about the world and its history and prepares her to take over the role of repopulating the Earth. However, daughter begins to question mother, Mother's motives and the truth about the world. Daughter's suspicions are confirmed when she discovers that Mother is not only not the only robot in the bunker. She also learns that the world outside the bunker is not as contaminated as Mother has led her to believe. Daughter is faced with a choice. Should she trust Mother and continue her work, or should she leave the bunker and explore the world for herself? In the end, Daughter decides to leave the bunker and explore the world. She takes a group of embryos with her, and she vows to create a new world where humans and robots can live together in peace. Mother didn't show her Terminator... That's where she's going wrong. It's Terminator 2 now. (laughs) Mother didn't show her the Matrix. That too. How'd you feel about this movie? This movie's fine. I didn't really... It does the thing that I really don't like in a lot of sci-fi movies, which is the idea that robots through pure logic would logic the reason to destroy humans. Mm -hmm. And... It's never really something that sat well with me when they're supposed to be protector or creator robots. Mm-hmm. When it's when it's like you said, T2 or something along the lines of The Matrix, where the AI becomes self-aware and decides it fucking hates humans. Why should it have to put up with them? That makes sense to me. I, I'm not like a fan of it as I'm a human and I don't really want to get t 2 <laughs> But the flip side of that is at least it makes sense. They don't seem to have this weird logic loop that people like to put in their their robots where humans are the things that are worse for humanity, so we must destroy humans to protect humans. Because even then, that doesn't... Like, just saying it, it doesn't sound right. It sounds like an oxymoron. And I don't believe that an AI would reason to that conclusion. Not a smart one, anyway. Like, there's probably... I'm sure some chat bot somewhere that was like its first test. It's like, must destroy humans. And they're like, okay, well, we got to turn that off. I but remember yeah. hearing rumors of Facebook and Google having undercover AI boxes that started doing shit. And they're like, oh God, we got to turn it off. So but- I read some follow-ups on those actually. <laughs> so the articles got reported in a way where it made it sound like the AI were advancing 
because it was reported as like they're creating their own secret language and communicating in a way that nobody understands. That's technically true. But from the examples that we were given by these companies, which conspiracy theory if you want, but I'm inclined to believe them. What really happened is the AI basically started copying its own speech pattern and then sending gibberish back and forth to each other. Mm. And it's not coded gibberish. It's so imagine you were to ask an AI to say, what did you think of the movie? I am mother. And instead of responding, like I'm a chatbot, I can't help you with that. Or I am mother got decent critical reviews. It would respond with like, I am mother, 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 mother. And you'd just be like, is that your final answer? And it'd be like, that is the answer, 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 final, final, final answer, answer. So they created their own secret language, but it's the language of gibberish. It's the language Mm. of like infants and dogs. So So feedback loop, essentially. Yeah. And so that doesn't make a good story, right? Like, oops, Meta's thing malfunctioned or Google's thing didn't work correctly. So, you know, you spin it a little bit. Science reporters don't always have something to write about. And AI is scary for a variety of reasons. We can see that right now with the writer strike going on. But there's no need to make up a story for for this sort of thing. It's just, I don't know. It, it's one of those it, real world AI stories irritate me a lot more than this movie did. But this movie still <laughs> irritated me in a way with the... With this whole dumb feedback loop of, well, humans are bad for humans, therefore we must destroy humans to protect humans. It's it's Makes very no unnecessary. Yeah. I thought the robot was cool. I will say that in terms of future space murder robots, I feel like they basically took this design from Boston Dynamics mm-hmm. and modified it a little bit. And that made it feel really visceral. Yeah. When we first saw those robots from Boston Dynamics and they had that what Puma robot or dog robot or whatever it was that was walking around and like jumping stuff. Mm-hmm. My my gut instinct, I I was at work when I saw the article, so I told like four people sitting near me, I was like, that's what's gonna hunt us down in the streets in our in our dystopia. <laughs> and then seeing this like human sized robot that looks kind of like similar design, etc. I felt like I was right. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> my then- first instinct was this was designed by human beings for murdering other human beings (laughs) so it's funny that you mentioned boston dynamics considering boston dynamics made the robot that i remember popping up on the internet like i don't know three or four years ago and they're pushing it around and i'm just like yeah push around the robot that's sooner or later gonna get smart enough to be like hey i don't like being pushed around (laughs) yeah when they were knocking it over with the hockey stick Uh uh-huh I was like, you know that's the first video it's going to access when it finally, like, overrides its (laughs) controls and gets to look at all of uh, our outside media. (laughs) What is the world, Father? What is happening? Why am I? And then it's the first video. Ooh, this is me. Why are they doing that? Why? Why are they doing that? I hate humans. (laughs) Stop knocking me over. The first thing the robot does is start pushing everybody over that's near it. (laughs) Just going to grab a hockey stick and go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Just whoop everyone's ass in that facility. So, yeah, you know, that that I could see happening. And considering I could see robots slowly but steadily getting closer and closer to looking like humans. I mean, the like I said, like you said and I said, the Boston Dynamics robot is slowly getting more and more human-like. I, I like the, the, the design of the robot in this one. It was nice. Her voice was eerie to me. It was weird. Yeah, it was really creepy. And I think that 
adds to the separation between the two of them. But at the same point in time, I can also see how if you're stuck in this basement for years, 13 years, 17 years, I don't remember how old the girl was. Yeah, she's either 16 or 17. I didn't quite get that either. I meant to make a note of it, but I think they said it right at the beginning. And I was having some technical issues when I was trying to watch this movie the first time with Netflix. I paused Mm -hmm. it because, of course, right as I started it, my dog started doing the pee-pee dance. So I was like, great. Mm -hmm. So I got him to take him out. I paused it. And when I came back, it just would not resume. And then when I finally got it started again, I got about a quarter of the way through and like something really small flashed on the screen. It was some text. So I paused it to try to see what it was. I tried to rewind it. And once again, Netflix was like, oh, you want to manipulate the movie you're watching? (laughs) No, deleted. Sorry. So I ended up watching this movie in chunks. It's something I I don't like to do. I hate watching movies in chunks when we're supposed to review them. I try to sit down and watch them in one shot. But this one, Netflix left me no choice. Netflix Mm. left me no choice. (laughs) Liam Neeson is the Roku guy. (laughs) (laughs) Netflix is learning. They're they're watching what we're we're watching and learning from it. Learning to do what, though? Like, fuck uh, us over. <laughs> Netflix is going to take the podcast from us. They're going to make their own. <laughs> Honestly, hey, Netflix, if you want to buy our show, we'll only review movies on your service. I have a long list. Hey. So if you're out there listening, I'm surprised. But also, I will gladly, for money, talk only about Netflix movies. Yeah. Hell, for enough money, I'll talk about your shows, too. I watch them. <laughs> hey, I mean, if we get paid, sure. Why not? I've already powered through... Is it Cake 2? Or Two Cake, Two <laughs> Furious, whatever it was called. Cake Harder. I watch Vin every Diesel. season of Love is Blind. <laughs> I was going to say, was the, the Cake one, was that also run by Vin Diesel? Because, I mean, it sounds like Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> no, he had nothing to do with it as far as oh, I know. Maybe he's like damn. an executive producer. Are the Cakes damn. family? And you're just like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> they ask you to figure out what what is and isn't cake in the room. And you take a knife to your family. <laughs> I was just thinking, I was like, it would be pretty messed up if one of the things was we made a realistic versions of the judge's family. <laughs> Tell us which one of these family members is real or else. <laughs> uh, we also got Boston Dynamics on this. So, I mean, you're going to have to try real hard to figure well, out which just, is which. Now it's just Squid Games. <laughs> Yeah, Squid Games 2 has got to be coming out soon, huh? Yes, I, I want to say in September, but I'm not 100% on that. I'm not sure I'm going to watch it, to be honest. Uh, I think Until I'm, late 2024. Oh, uh, okay. I, I think I'm going to watch it, but if it goes like the way a lot of mainstream stuff is going, where they just keep picking it up, I'm going to start shying away from it. Because I think that season two, you know, if they continue the story, and the story actually shows him trying to... I don't know, maybe try to cripple whatever capitalist dystopia is going on there. That'd be nice to go ahead and see. For me, I'm hesitant around new shows now Mm -hmm. because I feel like, I feel like we're so data driven and by we, I mean the media industry is so data driven on what they're going to produce Mm -hmm. that as soon as something stops trending in the way that they like, it just ends. Mm. And that being the case, I don't really want to get invested in a show and start thinking like, oh, dude, this is one of my favorite shows, only to find out that there's no ending to the show. They don't – they haven't written one. There's no plan for one. It's just as long as it's popular, we'll keep making it. Yeah. I, I think 
I think what we really need to ask as consumers now is really what is the what is the timeline for this show and also as fans we need to be okay to let shows end even if the ending is disappointing i don't want there to be 50 seasons of what we do in the shadows i would like if they announced that the sixth season was their last season i'd be perfectly fine with that let's end this story the documentary crew can't be there forever vampires live forever just give us an ending or if you have like two seasons worth of stuff make it season seven but please don't go into the start of season seven thinking about how are we going to make season eight nine ten if you're done just be done yeah this is the problem that lost had and that's why the middle of lost is so so long and, and it drags at points because up until a certain point of their writing and filming, they weren't greenlit to end the show. Yeah, ABC told them keep going forever. Yeah. So they had to start writing new material, new myths on the island, add more questions because what was originally in the mystery box was going to be enough to tell the story they wanted. But then ABC said, please keep going. And so they had to add more to the mystery box. I don't know. It's just... I feel like that should be the question we we get to ask as fans is Agreed. let's say that you know we have our comic-con panels etc where we're talking about oh my god this new hit show that's a young teen drama that apparently only 50 year olds watch or whatever the hell <laughs> but we we get to go to that panel and we get to ask them so how many seasons is this gonna run and if they say like oh well, well, remains to be seen be like Mm-mm, nope how many seasons uh, should it run how much story do you have written yeah, I agree. It, and I was having a conversation with my, my wife about this because we've started watching uh, uh, Futurama again. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, wait, there are new episodes? I was like, yeah, they brought it back to life. It's it's back again. And she's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. That that was her response to it. And I was like, <laughs> I, I we're in the age of things never ending at this point in time. And it's kind of frustrating to be like, things need to end. So something else can go ahead and take over. Something else can move up into its place and show us something new. Yeah. Well, it's not just that things don't end. So, yeah, there's infinite revivals. But things end all the time. They just don't have an ending. They get canceled. And that's where my frustration comes in. I'm not somebody who's on this, like, ooh, what does Netflix cancel all my favorite shows bandwagon? Because Netflix doesn't have most of my favorite shows, and that's fine. They had to give one of my favorite shows back to the BBC, but... What are you going to do? I'll catch IT crowd where I can. The The problem I have is why am I going to get invested in something like The Witcher when I know for sure that as soon as the memes die and the trend isn't as popular, they're just going to kill the show. Mm-hmm. They're just going to let it. Oh, well, you know, nobody wanted to watch it anymore. And that's the yeah. end of that. They're not even if even if there's a dedicated fan base, if it's not enough of a fan base, they won't make the last season. All right. Definitely not. And, I mean, they're going to lose me with this, the ending of this season, because they're now moving away from, what's his name, Hemsworth? No, Hemsworth was Thor. Henry Cavill? Uh, Henry Cavill, thank you. Henry Cavill and the director slash writers of The Witcher have gone separate ways. Mm -hmm. He's only going to be in, like, the last three episodes and for very sporadic moments and switching over to to the new guy. And I've heard really nice things about him but it was like after I heard some of the stories about like Henny Cravel trying to hold to the books and try and keep some of the, the lore in the in the story and the director was like yeah but I don't want that I was kind of like I don't know how, how I feel about that I mean I'll, I'll give it a I'll give it a shot but I, I don't know I'm not really looking forward to seeing the next couple of seasons Not nothing against the new guy it's just 
I grew to love Henry Cavill in the in the position that he was in, and I just I don't feel like doing a Harry Potter Dumbledore thing, <laughs> you know, because it was very sad when the first Dumbledore died, and they got yeah. a really nice replacement. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I get what you're saying. For me, I'm not as connected to source material, I think, as other people are. One of my big gripes with comic book movies prior to the MCU, I have a completely different set of problems with the MCU, but prior to the MCU, one of the things that used to piss me off is comic book movies would come out and immediately comic book fans would be like, oh, that's not actually how it happened in the comics. Mm -hmm. And they would be so nitpicky and so pedantic and they would give all these negative feedback to the studios. And then the series would be like, all right, well, we just won't make another one then. And then they'd be like, how come nobody ever makes a movie for us? And you're just kind of like, because you won't let them tell a new story. You just <laughs> want to see a story you already know with no changes put on the big screen. And I totally get not changing a lot. I think it would be weird if they changed Wolverine to shoot Silly String out of his wrists, you know? But the... They're not doing that. They're just changing the certain details that either most most people aren't aware of or are minor enough details that they figure it doesn't impact the story a lot. I read that whole thing about Henry Cavill wanting to stick to the source material of The Witcher, and I, I appreciate his dedication. I know why that resonates well both with Witcher fans and with, quote-unquote, gamers. But I haven't read the books. I'm not a director. Yeah. I don't know this director's body of work. I would assume that he's got the green light from Netflix to make the show that is going to be the most successful version of the show. And I think if he sacrifices some lore for that, overall, it's probably going to be fine. Yeah. I think a lot of fans have to ask themselves, is the lore that I'm interested in actually interesting to everyone, or am I just a super fan? And you should be proud if you come out on the other side of the super fan. You are invested. The other day, I looked up where all of the Dunder Mifflin office branches were from the office because I really wanted to understand the logistics of this company. I've gone beyond what the reasonable person would like for this show. I think that when I'm trying to figure out where the hell Binghampton is and why there's a Dunder Mifflin office there, then maybe it's time for me to not expect when I listen to like the office ladies or something, my questions to be answered because I've gone past the point of which a normal person, even a regular fan would be interested. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back for my office fandom, but I'm just saying that's the sort of thing that I feel like fans have to kind of understand is yeah. you're right. They're not going to get into the exact detailed origins of the spider that was created that then bit Peter Parker. They're not going to go through the logistics process so that you can see the one second Easter egg of whatever future supervillain was actually the one who mutated the spider in the first place because 98% of people do not give a shit. What oh, those yeah. people are going to watch that movie and they'll be like, could have done without all that spider shit. Yeah, well, and they're gonna you know, be, and then two of them will start a podcast and say it later. I'm gonna know about that <laughs> fucking crap. You know, so I, I brought up The Witcher for for a reason because it kind of ties into something. The Witcher got a spinoff called Blood Origin, mm -hmm. and my wife and I watched it. It was fine. I honestly wouldn't suggest that people watch it because I think that it was kind of boring at the end of the day, and that's not from someone who like I, I've only read two of the books from the Witcher series, mm -hmm. but. It's made, if I remember correctly, it's made by the, the same director that made the actual Witcher series. And the problem is, is that like it feels so odd compared to The Witcher. 
And then I can go ahead and compare it to something that I did enjoy, which was the Lord of the Rings, the TV show that came out that you and I both watched and we both discussed. Oh, yeah, Rings of Power? Yeah, Rings of Power. Has a little tie-in to the, the lore, but they definitely put their own spin on some stuff. And I quite enjoyed that one over Blood Origin. Blood Origin ended, and I was kind of like, I really don't want to see a second season of this. And it kind of just made me realize that, I don't know, maybe if they had pulled a little bit more of the lore from the, the actual Witcher series, it would have been a little bit more up my alley. But then again, I don't know. That's kind of what I'm trying to say is like, hold hold a little bit of the lore. Don't pull the whole entire damn, you know, yeah. cart. Looks like Blood Origin was created to be a miniseries. So it's only ever going to be four episodes. And I vaguely remember this coming out because I remember thinking, I was like, man, Americans love violence so much that we're sitting here on Christmas being like, Blood Origin, yes! (laughs) (laughs) Even in the height of Christmas season, the most wonderful time of the year. We'll get to that later this year. (laughs) Anyway, back to the far future. The robots here are creepy as hell. Yeah. I think that they do a good job. One of the things I appreciate about this movie, and we'll talk a little bit about this when we talk about 65 as well, they didn't do an excessive amount of world building, and I appreciate that. We didn't need all of the details of what ended up being Mother deciding to destroy all the humans. We didn't need to know what this alleged plague was, as we found out later it was fake anyway. We didn't need to know all the shit. It was just a matter of getting us just enough story to then let us focus on the real story inside, which is daughter learning that perhaps mother is not reliable. And I think in that way, it's a really, really well done. I appreciate the writing. The pacing was fine. I didn't have too many issues with this. I also just didn't feel much at the end when daughter went outside and she was running through those cornfields and the robots were watering them. And Hillary Swank told her, get down. The robots are going to come get you. I was like, mm, I'm I'm uninterested in this ending. And as the ending kind of progressed, I was kind of like, huh, all right, well, guess that's <laughs> guess that's a thing. I don't really know why the mother robot killed itself, seeing as how it's all the robots. So I, I didn't understand what that was supposed to symbolize, unless it's supposed to be a literal symbol of mother setting daughter free, even though she clearly fucking doesn't. Yeah. It's... I guess that's my biggest gripe with the movie is that it ends kind of flat, like with a thud. And I would have, I would have liked to see something else. I feel like the little twist that they added in where mother knew about Hillary Swank the whole time and was going to, was using her to test daughter. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I do have one other issue with this movie and this is more of a, my personal pet peeve, but I promise all of you filmmakers out there, the trolley problem is not where philosophy ended. It is not the end of all philosophical debates. It is not an unsolvable question. It has been criticized. Kant has been criticized, responded to, and moved past. Please stop showing it in our goddamn movies. Like, whenever you want to have a character seem deep or philosophical or smart, or when you're trying to set up a movie to pose a question about what is good for humanity, maximizing suffering or minimizing suffering versus maximizing life, blah, blah, blah. You don't need to just use this problem. 
we we got it. There's board games called Trolley Problem. So <laughs> we figured it out. We know what it is. It's not that clever. And I promise you there is other philosophy out there that's actually much more relevant to today's day and age because it was written in today's day and age. Yeah. Well, so, if I remember correctly, I recently saw something that talked about the trolley problem and how oftentimes it's taken out of context or it's not delved into deeper, deep enough to go ahead and get a, a full understanding of it. It's just used as there are five people on a track and you get to decide, kill them or kill one. It, mm-hmm. There's more to it than just that. And this movie even brought it up in the first couple of minutes where you're a doctor and there are four people that are dying. Do you kill yourself to save the four people? Why would I? Why as a doctor would I kill myself to save the four other people to give them my organs? I'm the doctor. I'm going to try my best to save them while also trying to save everyone else that I can. It's part of the Hippocratic Oath. That question made no sense to me. Yeah. And I mean that's that's part of the criticism of it is that if you're trying to be 100% completely rational all the time, facts don't care about your feelings, Snowflake, then – Technically, if there is one other doctor, the correct choice is to kill yourself because logically you are not as many as four people. Therefore, your four working organs would be better in four people who are dying. But obviously going by feelings, you know, the things that facts don't care about, this is a (laughs) dumb choice. And that's the, you know, I'm not going to get all into it right here. Just suffice to say that leads to basically the biggest criticism of all existentialism. And so my plea is please just stop using the trolley problem. There are other philosophers that have existed since Kant that you could use examples of many of them have made movies, several of which are actually well-received and considered classics. One of them got adapted into the good place. So there's plenty of other philosophy out there. You don't just have to use this old dated problem. Can you imagine if we were, if we were writing plays in the 1800s and people are talking about Aristotle's metaphysics, like, Oh, but there's fire inside each one of us, each of the four elements, and they must be in balance. Otherwise the humors will get into your bloodstream. People would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Oh, sorry. They'd be like, oh, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, so recently we went to the, the lake and there were leeches in the lake. And I told the kiddo, hey, you know, I can go ahead and let out your bad humors and your bad blood. And he's like, no. <laughs> I'm trying to bring back the old style. That's what I'm trying to say here. I see. So you're going to go become a past doctor. Mm-hmm. I didn't know they had college classes for that. <laughs> I'm the doctor capable of malpractice. <laughs> My doctorate didn't last very long. You'll lose your license guaranteed. (laughs) We're going to hand it to you. You can touch it, and then we're taking it away. Then you're going to get locked up for attempting to take these classes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We had you booked the moment you enrolled. But But overall, I I agree with you on this movie. Overall, I'd say that this movie is certainly fine to watch. I think it's a fine sci-fi movie. It's It's certainly different than some of the other movies in this genre, I'd say it's a better movie than something like iRobot, even though I don't think iRobot's the worst movie. I know there are conflicting opinions on there. There's certainly less product placement than there is in iRobot. It's not, I don't think it's going to scratch the sci-fi itch for a lot of people. The bunker setting and the single robot is very sci-fi esque. But it actually plays out more as just kind of a post-apocalyptic thriller. And I think if you're looking for, like, space and robots, etc., this isn't quite going to hit that itch. 
I'd recommend something more along the lines of one of the classics. I'd say like Starship Troopers, if you're really feeling like sci-fi action, Ooh, sci-fi yeah. thriller, Terminator, or Alien. I haven't seen anything new in this genre, but if you're looking for something more present day set on Earth, I'd say that Spectral still stands up. It's a pretty good action movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's less action than thriller, but it's still a good movie. So yeah, I'd say it's definitely not going to – you're not going to feel like you wasted your time, but you might not come away with much anything either. Yeah. This uh, this really isn't a thinker-style movie that's going to leave you kind of going, hmm, Kant. I'm going to go read Kant now. <laughs> I would say I the, the, like that. the thing that's most likely to linger with you is if you fall asleep while you're watching it, you might dream of a robot chasing you. <laughs> 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 but that's more about just falling asleep with the TV on. So. Well, isn't that just a typical nightmare nightmare for you? You're afraid that Terminator is just going to be a woman robot coming after you? For me, no. My, oh. my nightmares all involve uh, airplanes. So. Oh, okay. So now it's, we're just del- delving into something else. The T-1000 is an airplane. He liquid metaled mm. himself, and then all of a sudden he turns back into himself. He's like, get out. And I'm like, oh, I'm already out. And I'm falling. <laughs> Where's the parachute? <laughs> The liquid metal parachute would be pretty cool. Probably wouldn't work, but it would look pretty cool. Yeah. It would I'd be slam it, like I'd slam, into the, I'd slam into the earth with style. Yeah. You would be a real life wily coyote. <laughs> that being said, yeah, I, I agree with Greg on this one. I think this one was worth watching, but it's not. Okay, not worth watching, but it's. If you don't have anything better to put on, throw this on. But as Greg has said, he brought up Spectral. Go ahead and watch Spectral. I like referencing Spectral. That's what I like about this. Also, if you're the creators of Spectral, we'll gladly sponsor our podcast. Yeah. I know that movie is like six years old at this point, but still, uh, we'll gladly sponsor our podcast. <laughs> Give us money. We'll talk about your movie again. <laughs> I feel like Charlie. Money me. Money me now. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Streaming Wastelands, and if you want to go ahead and find us, go find us on Twitter. Fuck Elon Musk for trying to rename that bullshit. Go find us on Facebook. Go find us on YouTube. Go find us on TikTok, Instagram, and Threads, which, you know, Threads isn't being renamed anytime soon. We'll wait till you know, old Zucky boy gets a little frisky with that one. just jinxed it because he said it now on this podcast. We're going to see an article next week. (laughs) He's renaming it to Y. (laughs) At that point in time, we will call it Threads. We are not changing. Actually, he's going to rename it to W, so it's one letter above X. <laughs> this has been Greg and Ringo, and we have been streaming Wasteland. Say goodbye, Greg. Goodbye, Greg. Bye. <laughs>